And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 231, aka season 3, episode 51, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since MC's back, that means phones work, uh, like you call anyway, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. You didn't really go anywhere last week, MC. That was more me and prior engagements and we just, you know, the the time difference uh, didn't allow us to have a meeting of the minds and and produce a uh, duplex show for y'all. Um, so you're back this week, uh, around about the same time I'm able to do the show as well. So what's good, what's new, what's happening with you? Well, part of the reason last week was because I had too much drugs, uh, in the form of caffeine, <laughs> kept me up all night. And then like I was messed up for a, a couple of days, but yeah, I was, I was really interested, um, and uh, in, in what happened, you had, a. You, you do another podcast, or you're 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 a guest on another podcast, the Free Talk Live. Sure, yeah, not Sometimes. a podcast though. It's a it's a nationally syndicated radio show. So I'm a I'm a radio personality once a week, uh, typically on that show, the Sunday night uh, live show, seven to ten p.m. Eastern at freetalklive.com. Right on, and you, and you had a chance to meet and talk to uh, Adam Kokesh, right? presidential candidate for 2020 adam kokesh that's correct right on um yeah he's a pretty he's a very interesting guy um he wrote a book uh, called freedom i haven't read it yet i heard it's pretty good um i remember when that book came out and he wasn't taking credit for it because he wrote it anonymously and just put the book out mm-hmm. and that lasted all of about a week and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah kokesh wrote the book I'm like oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. so now it's kokesh's book yeah, and for the people that don't know who, I, I'm pretty sure anybody listening to our channel probably know, but anyway, for people who don't know, he was an Iraq War veteran, and then he uh, he was pretty uh, major figure in the uh, Veterans Against the Iraq War, and then yep. he was... Were the Iraq uh, Veterans Against the War? Is that... He, I don't remember. Yeah, one yeah. of the two. He was, he was uh, heavily involved in the Ron Paul campaign, and... Uh, then and now he's running for president of the U.S. Um, he's probably the earliest announced 2020 candidate ever, because he announced sure. his 2021 prior to the 2016 election. <laughs> it was basically right, like, right, right. 2020 is my year, guys. You know, I know it's only 2014 now, but 20, six years from now, you'll be hearing a lot from me. So that that's that's cool because Trump actually and and the and the Republicans that back Trump. Um, are actually uh, disallowing uh, voting against Trump, or they're, they're not going to have elections in in some areas uh, for so, the for the Republican primary. Let's, let's for, be yeah, clear about the, that. Yeah, yeah okay. for the Republican. Yeah, for a Republican primary, uh, which is they're not canceling all elections. Yeah, for the primary, um, but it's still kind of sad and insane. It's like, does that show weakness? on the Trump side, you know, like, uh, are, do they have something to fear or do they just think it's a waste of time? So, and if it's just a waste of time, then, you know, why not let people waste time? Like that, I mean, they like to get together and, and debate things and discuss things and, oh, well, you know, that's not allowed right now because, you know, they might, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think somebody might 
dig up, you know, try, or attempt to uh, dig up more dirt on Trump, and that's why they don't even want to have the election. The article, um, the article that I read about that was basically they're avoiding repeating history. It's one of those situations where they go like, "Those who fail to learn history are doomed to repeat it." Uh, we learned history, so we are not going to repeat it. And by that, I mean, um, whenever there has been a strong challenger for an incumbent president, uh, that primary challenge has weakened the president to the point where he lost to the other party's contender. Sure. Um, sure. You know, over the past however many decades that they track this data. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that they fear uh, a challenger for Trump, but that they fear a challenger would weaken Trump to the mm-hmm. point where a Democratic challenger in the general election would sweep the victory. Not, not necessarily right. sweep as in right. take all the, all the electoral votes, but come in and steal the presidency. And then you get well, a one-term Republican uh, Trump uh, you know, uh, presidential run. Yeah. And so they're canceling that to make sure that he is strong as possible, yeah. whatever that means, going into the general election and in a position to defeat the Democrats. Yeah. And at this at this point, I, I actually wish uh, Trump was one term um, just because, like, <laughs> he's, he's done some horrible things. Uh, you know, it's like... America first, and it and it turned out to be screw America first. <laughs> At all, well, and mostly mostly just the tariff things and the, trying trying to start shit with China, which is you know a big trading partner partner. So, well, see, and that would beg the question since you are a voter, MC, who from the Democrat side would be a suitable replacement for Trump? Like, what well, what viable that's, that's, candidate? That's the bad part. There is there is none. <laughs> and especially at the moment it's like so uh, let's let's i guess i'd have to say well you know wait till the democrat primary is over and then and then we'll see um if one's better than the other or one's less worse than the other i don't know <laughs> but um i mean i probably won't vote anyway uh, sweet it's and if I did, but I'd probably vote third party anyway. Um, but it's it's like so you're gonna waste like, your vote. You're gonna throw it away. It's all wasted anyway. <laughs> you're, you're gonna vote third but, party, and that's gonna keep Trump in office. And you would have had your well, chance gonna, to. It's us. not gonna. Voting doesn't do anything. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if if you if you get enjoyment out of it, or <laughs> you know. <laughs> Then go for it. I don't care. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't. Uh, yeah, the libertarians, the libertarian party, doesn't even have a candidate yet. Like they're still working through that whole process and procedure. Yeah, I'm. I'm not hopeful. I'm not hopeful that that any of them come up with a candidate worth voting for. Um, but it's just like at this point in time, I would like to see Trump gone. Okay, <laughs> I would like to see somebody that nobody knows and nobody cares about when, uh, such as Kokesh twenty twenty. Well, he's he's too polarizing of a figure. So even if he was in, so my my point is, there's so much focus on who the president is that it's the, the office is like too powerful of a position. Like, sure, Adams 
Kokesh is, is, is running on a platform of getting rid of the federal government. Uh, and if you want that, go, you know, vote for him. But uh, like I said, it's not voting for him isn't going to get him in there. And <laughs> well, that's the only way to get him in. <laughs> it, that, well, that's, if, if that's, that's your thing, <laughs> that's that's the only way to do it. But uh, it's that's not possible, right? So. <laughs> Uh, are you reading ahead into my into my show prep? Because I do have an article that you know we could jump straight into if you want. The presidency is too powerful. Headline: The presidency is too powerful. Um, as as you were just saying, uh, we we could get into that. What what else was I I talking about? Oh, sorry. Okay. So, oh well. First of all, I wanted to get your impression on on Adam and uh, plug you know free talk live again and see where that goes so i've i have seen i i I do not want to talk shit about adam kokesh because i've only known him for a few hours um and in those few hours he did not leave a negative impression on me um he was cordial he was kind uh he was generous enough to offer uh his service and support to this tiny little podcast called the anarchist experience um which it, it doesn't really see, this is the thing, right? He's a cool guy. At least for those three hours that I met him, I know all the backstory. I know all the, the, um, the controversy that comes with being him or being around him. Um, but when I, when he offered his services, what I told him about this show was like, we don't really do interviews. Like it's not, it's not really the format. And we don't really care <laughs> about numbers or, you know, making, making the and, podcast successful in any financial way. I mean, we, I have yeah, the Patreon and, set up for we, donations, but who cares? And we don't really care about the presidency, even though that you know, we talk about it sometimes. And, and I talk about preferences, uh, but that, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> right. I, I, I pre- back in the day, I preferred Trump over Hillary. Um, you know, Trump and you're happened, regretting that the, to this minute. The, well, I'm not regretting it. It's, <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to listen to Hillary's voice any more than I than I had to. Um, uh, so now it's now it's time for Trump to go. You know, so right. It's just it's just a preference. It's not it's not like uh, right. I, it's not like I want to force Trump on anybody. You know. <laughs> so so much like the format of Free Talk Live. Um, Adam Kokesh was just a co-host on that show. I mean, they, they brought up some of the, you know, some of, uh, you know, they plugged him, of course, and even the anarchist experience gets a plug uh, on Free Talk Live because I sit there. Um, but it's not, it wasn't like the Adam Kokesh show. And it wasn't, uh, right. it wasn't a show dedicated to interviewing like the president, the future president of the United States, if only people voted third party or, you know, his, his presidential run. Um, so having him on this show would be similar. He would just be another host like me or you, MC, um, just a more famous one, right? Someone that has some clout that people may want to listen to and, and get his thoughts on whatever topics of we're, we're covering for, you know, for that particular episode. Um, so, I mean, again, uh, if he, if he, if he, if he is usually like he was during the show, I have zero problems, uh, you know, talking to him, hanging out with him. Like we exchange phone numbers and whatever, like, Oh, bromance, you know, baby, whatever. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't have anything really good or bad to say. 
he was there and he he's a fantastic guy on the radio like he's he's knowledgeable he's eloquent um and i think i think he believes it and i'm and you know more power to him for that um but yeah so i didn't i i didn't get any of the controversy and the weird thing is prior to going out for the show right i get i get the uh you know text message from ian saying like do you want to be on the show with kokesh i was like well it's my normal night so sure like was this was this text sent an error was this for last night because he was on two nights in a row and it's like nope he's just a polarizing guy and some people have strong feelings about him just double checking to make sure you're good i was like yep all good bro like i'll you know it's my normal night i will be there i don't i don't care who sits in the other chair uh you know even to the point where even if i did have strong feelings toward kokesh in some form or another um having an open dialogue and debate I think would have been healthy but I just don't right like he he has done great things uh for the liberty movement as you know with the whole uh, Iraq Iraq veterans against the war and you know the the support for Ron Paul and writing the book and even the the you know the TV show Adam versus the man covered some interesting things when it was on the air and he did that as a radio show apparently in New Mexico which you know who cares um, so I don't, I didn't have anything, I don't have anything to say one way or the other about him as a person. Um, but he has had like, I'm going to say cringe moments, uh, through his activism being in the public, being in the public light. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people in the Liberty movement that have had cringe moments, uh, for, you know, for, for one thing or another. And I don't think that necessarily detracts. Uh, from the good work that they've done, it doesn't negate all the good work that they've done. Um, but yeah, sure, he's a polarizing figure. I get it, um, but not with me. Like you know, we're we're age contemporaries. He, he's got more experience than this than I do. Um, but you know, all all I really want to do, I want to like, I want to go to work and I want to play video games. And I just want to hang out, right? Like that's I'm a very chill dude like that. Uh, and if, and if he wanted to fucking come over and play some video games and just hang out, cool. You know, door open policy with me, um, as far as that's concerned, cause it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It doesn't have to bring any drama, uh, with, with him for something like that. So yeah. Did that answer your question? Like, I don't, sure, I don't sure. know if you were fishing um, for a, some sort of answer one way or the other. I guess the, the only other fishing I, I wanted to do is, you know, get your feelings on, on, uh. You know, running for the presidency as as a way to uh, end the federal government. Um, see, that's the other thing. I don't know if I believe that he believes that, right? Like to me, it's a it's a uh, vanity campaign, if you will, mm-hmm. much like Vermin yeah, Supreme, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. Like I don't think Vermin Supreme thinks he's going to win, but boy, is that dude entertaining. Right and my and uh, M uh, hasn't even heard of Vermin Supreme, which is weird. You know, like someone was talking <laughs> about someone brought it up on Tuesday. It's like, is that his real name? Is he really running for president? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're in for a treat when you figure out who this Vermin Supreme guy is. Um, so I think I think uh, the way that Kokesh is doing it isn't necessarily because he wants to win. Isn't necessarily because he thinks he can win. Um, but in my opinion, is is using the platform uh, to draw attention to a cause 
which is really what the Libertarian Party platform was supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. The party of principle, the, the educational outreach branch of the freedom movement. Um, and I think that uh, the Kokesh campaign has the ability to do that. Um, so, again, so as far as the Libertarian Party goes, you, at this point, he's probably the best to get the Libertarian nomination. Uh, sure. But he has also said, then uh, he's public about this as well, that if, if he finds a candidate that's more suited to be the Libertarian presidential nomination, he would endorse that candidate over himself even. Like, so mm-hmm. for six years, he's been like, Kokesh 2020, and then now he's like, well, but if someone's more libertarian than me, of course I'll back them instead. You know, if they, if they have a better chance and can actually, you know, affect change that, you know, then he's willing to, he's willing to bow out. So I don't, I don't believe that he believes that this is a, a real quote unquote presidential run or that he's really going to shut down the federal government. Uh, but I do, I, and I haven't, I, you know, I had the chance and I didn't take it. Uh, I didn't ask about this, but I, I don't think that that's what this candidacy is about. I think it's an educational candidacy um, sure. and also putting it out there, right? What did the, what did they, the, someone, someone said it uh, during the Trump campaign. It's like uh, lifting balloons or something like that. Like you, you know, floating balloons, like you float the idea out there uh, about doing something, right? Like I'm going to run for president and shut down the federal government, right? And it's not meant to be taken seriously, it's to gauge support for the idea, right? Can, can this idea, the, the idea of shut down the federal government, garner some support? Like, where, what's that level at, right? If he, if he runs for president uh, on the libertarian ticket and gets like, you know, 5 to 10% of the vote, which would, which would be like, you know, 5 to 10-fold uh, what libertarians have done in the past, uh, then, then the 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 floating of the idea could be said like, well, maybe people are ready for this freedom thing. Maybe people are ready for this liberty thing. Maybe people are ready uh, for for the anarchist society uh, where we don't need an overarching federal government. We don't need an overarching state government, city, county, local, whatever, uh, to rule our lives because now's the time that people are ready and they may have gotten ready because he floated the idea that that apparatus is unnecessary uh, in the day-to-day lives of average individuals, right? You don't need you don't need that apparatus. You don't need that overarching state to tell you what to do. Um, and now we know that support for that idea is growing, and it's it you know it's it's measurable. It would be measurable by the amount of votes um, that he gets at at the presidential level should he win the nomination. Uh, similarly. Similarly to what's going on locally in Keene in the mayor's race, right? There's a, a local activist, uh, also another co-host on Free Talk Live, and I see him, um, you know, not maybe not every week, but every every few weeks when he comes out to the meetup, um, who legally changed his name to nobody, and he's running for mayor, so that the people in the small town of Keene, New Hampshire, have the opportunity to vote for nobody during their dur- during their mayoral race, right? And it's not that he thinks he can win. It's not that he expects to win, right? In a, he, he was endorsed by another uh, a larger newspaper, local state newspaper. Um, and in, in it, he said, like, well, it's a, it's a protest, right? 
it's it's activism and it's a protest. It's to say that, you know, even though my name is nobody, it's to give the voters, the people, the opportunity to vote for nobody. And in that one small town, you know, we're going to see how much uh, how much people want freedom, how much people want liberty, uh, and how how much support nobody can get uh, on a on an electoral ballot, right? If 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 more than half the town goes, yeah, yeah, nobody for mayor because we don't want a mayor, right? We don't need that kind of of oversight even at the local level. Well, then you can gauge that, right? You can use that as a as a as a measuring stick, as a barometer, or whatever, uh, for the for the ideas of freedom in your area, right? If if your little town doesn't even have the option, right, you're you're a step behind. If it has the option and it's getting like zero support, right, then you're a step behind. Uh, if 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 he ends up getting you know whatever percent. Right, like one percent might be a victory for the ideas because that means people saw nobody and went, "Fuck it, yeah, that's that's the right call." Now, none of this other guy, candidate A and candidate B, uh, we're going to vote for nobody because even though nobody technically is somebody, um, it's still better than the other options on the table. So I I see uh, similar themes in all of those types of campaigns. Right. It's not it's not the uh, we're going to pretend to be we're going to pretend to hold a position or pretend to be libertarian uh, because we think that we can bring votes to the party and that we think we can win uh, in this. You know, we're not going to win the Republicans. We're not going to win the Democrats. But we think we can win the libertarian ticket uh, and get some votes that way. And that's our way to get in. Um, That's not that was never my understanding of why the party was founded or set up for in the first place. Um, so those types of campaigns, the Vermin Supreme, the Adam Kokesh, the Vote for Nobody campaign in Keene, New Hampshire, are what I consider to be uh, protest candidacies and activism candidacies. And whereas I still won't vote for any of those guys, um, I and I, I wouldn't you know give them any money either because I'm not wasting my <laughs> I'm not wasting my time or my money on that. Um, I do respect the idea of of the protest candidacies of using the platform to get the message out rather than using the platform uh, to better your own self-interest or position or ego. MC? Yeah, I mean, I I have lots of thoughts about all those things you said. Go for it. Share it. We got time. No, it's like we've talked about it before, you know, Libertarian Party and what their goals are and stuff, but um in in practice uh i don't think the libertarian party does enough to uh reach out to the left and the right and the dems and republicans and and uh to try to to try to affect change it's like it's it's like a club of bashing each other to figure out who's more libertarian or not and uh and so we could you know we could we could just say okay adams Adam Kokesh is the is the most libertarian, so he should, you know, maybe be the the nom the nominee. But um, but if but then they look at it and they say, well, if if we pick Adam, then he won't get any you know screen time, or he won't be invited to the debates, and uh, and on and on and on. So there's 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 reasons to pick somebody uh, less interesting, I guess, like. Uh, who was the last guy? Gary Johnson? Yeah. And Bob Barr before that. And 
whatever. But but at least Gary Johnson was, you know, he he was a what was he? He was a governor. Governor right? of yeah, New Mexico. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So at least he was a governor. There's there's a guy in in Hawaii running and uh he's he's a, a FedEx truck driver. So <laughs> it's a even if he's got the right ideas, uh, doesn't really matter. So, um, well, and like you yeah. said, it doesn't matter across the board. Like, it <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, so I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I guess I'm done. I'm ready to move on. All right. Um, did you want to get into the 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 headlines? Because we could still do the presidency is too powerful. Or was there anything um, else? There was one other thing you mentioned. Was it from last week about the difference between freedom and liberty? Sure. Yes. Last week, uh, if if you hadn't had a chance to listen to it, there was a a in depth article about the difference between freedom and liberty, um, and the 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 gist of it. I'm not going to get into it again because it was like it was half the show last week, but the gist was um, freedom is an external idea. Uh, no, wait, no, sorry. Freedom is an internal idea, like personal freedom to think a certain way, to be a certain way. And liberty is that which is granted to you, uh, externally. So you're, you're free. You're always free in your mind to think how you want, but your liberties can be restricted by external forces in this, in this, uh, in this case, the state. Right. Okay. Um, so the, the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because, um, the idea that, uh, freedom is getting free stuff so that you don't have to worry about anything. So you can be free to do anything that you want because all your, all your, uh, needs and wants are taken care of. Um, that's, that's coming to the U S uh, in one form of universal basic income. Yep. Um, which I've, I've publicly said before, I want, I want to see tried even just for the privately, comic, privately comic, comic relief. Well, I don't, oh, I don't well, no, I mean, I want to see them try it anyway. I just oh, okay. want to see, I just want to see what happens. You want to, um, you want to see because, the failure up front and in person. Well, whether it fails or succeeds, you know, I just want to see what happens. But I I know the road we're on is is a road to failure, like that is the one where the government takes care of uh, the food source and uh, healthcare and the education system and the police and you know on and on and on everything. Uh, if if you want the government to do everything for you, um, they will take everything from you. Um, yes. So so I would rather see it as. They just give people money and see what happens. That it's much more interesting to me um, to see what they would do uh, with the money than than what the government would would do. The um, way you just phrased it, real quick, I think is is poignant because the you're worried that the government is going to take everything from you. A lot of the proponents of government run my life are people that basically have nothing. Right. They're like, they're, sure. you know, they're young. Uh, they're saddled with debt from the educational path they chose to go down. Um, they don't have prospects 
out in front of them, uh, and every and the and the outlook looks bleak. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like I will never dig myself up out of this hole because capitalism wrecked the economy, and so yes, I want someone else to to give me a handout. And because I have nothing, there's nothing that they, the state, can take from me. Uh, therefore, to give me all the things that I want and I de- I I deserve, right? Uh, they will take from those who have excess, right? They will steal from the rich and give to me uh, my free health care, uh, you know, and my, my free education and my free food because it has to come from somewhere. And since I can't do it on my own, um, someone can do it for me using using those that have. So those people who are proponents of this aren't worried about the government coming for their stuff right for to take from them because mm-hmm. they don't have to begin with sure but they they don't realize how much they they have to lose <laughs> and that is your your ability to create on your own so um and that's that's where we're headed right i mean that's where oh that's absolutely where we're headed that's where uh you know socialism uh really destroys value is uh making decisions for people um, so, so yeah, freedom is, is to me, and I don't know how much it has to do with that article, but you know, freedom isn't, uh, having somebody, freedom isn't having all the things uh, provided for you so that you can do things that you would rather do. Right. So, <laughs> sure. I just want to frolic in the fields and the meadows and play with the bunny rabbits all day long. Or, or I just want to not work in a factory. Um, so, so therefore, uh, uh, I don't know, no, like get rid of factories by government decree. Um, I don't know. There's there's a whole bunch of different ways. Socialism decides what paths you should take and what's good for you. Sure. And, And, and it, and it completely ignores the fact that some people would rather work in a factory than, uh, in a field. (laughs) Than toil in the fields. Yes. Well, and again, that that view, I hate to use this term, um, comes from a place of privilege, right? It doesn't it doesn't look at the the difference between toiling in the field and working in the factory. It looks at the difference between uh, working in a factory for you know ten cents an hour uh, versus you know fifteen dollars an hour as a barista at Starbucks, right? They go like they shouldn't have to work in the sweatshops. They should be able to get real jobs that, you know, honor who they are as a human being, uh, you know, and get paid a livable wage, right? They're, they're, they're making a biased comparison that, you know, much like the, you know, the let them eat cake, uh, you know, quote from before, right? They're so out of touch with the reality of the situation um, that they can't possibly make a, 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 a comprehensive comparison, like a complete look on outlook on the situation. They're, they're comparing apples to oranges, uh, in the case of what what they consider to be labor in their society versus the choices that those people have in theirs, right? Or even in the United States with migrant workers, right? Uh, food dying on the vine, unpicked, because migrants aren't there to pick them. And no one, you know, <laughs> no, no one of privilege uh, wants to go do that, that migrant labor work. Uh, and they're definitely not willing to do it for the price 
uh, that the, you know, that the farmers were willing to pay to harvest those goods. Um, and so they go, well, what happened? Well, now there, now there's a shortage of food because there's no one there to pick it. Cause you sent all the people home. They weren't going to get paid more jobs, not worth anymore. And now there's no, now there's nothing. You had your opportunity and you let it go. So it's, it's always a poor comparison of the, the people that they're comparing, uh, with one situation versus the other, where it's, you know, migrants in the field or, uh, children in the, in, in slave sweatshops, um, they always compare it with their their scenario, their lot in life, as opposed to the true alternative for those people that they care so much about. Yeah. And and one way to prove my point, especially with with healthcare in the U.S. right now, um, maybe let, let's imagine it's like seventy thousand dollars to fix somebody's knee, like do a knee replacement or something. Well, you can do fifty thousand um, dollars for a broken leg because that's how much it was for me three years ago. <laughs> Sure. So, well, I'll just stick with my story. Okay. Um, a knee so replacement, seventy grand. Seventy grand knee knee replacement. Um, and if you were to give that person the seventy grand, uh, they might choose to use it for something else, um, to, that would make their life better. Because um, who needs a knee replacement? And of course, they might just go to the casino and gamble it, um, uh, because they think that you know, oh, well, I'd rather have a chance. Of of getting ten times as much as seventy thousand uh, than than uh, just having seventy thousand, so that they might take that into consideration. I don't know. Then you can replace um, both knees and st- still have spending <laughs> money left over for cocaine and hookers. Yeah, right. or 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 you might just have a bad knee for the rest of your life. Um, and so my my point is that is that there's other things besides the knee that that person might you know, spend the money on. Um, and and if people aren't given that choice of what to do with it, then they might make a bad choice, and that bad choice might actually be using seventy thousand dollars to replace their knee. the The socialist system doesn't give people the choice to make up their mind whether their knee is worth seventy thousand dollars or not. It just says this is what it is, and this is what you get. And uh, and so. Well, you see, MC, you're putting a price tag on a knee replacement, whereas in the socialist paradise, there wouldn't be a price. There wouldn't be a price. It would just be, you have a bad knee, you go to the hospital, they fix your knee, and that's the end of that. Then you well, spend no money, and you have a brand new knee. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? There's always a price, though, that you know, the doctors and the hospitals and the insurance companies right now in the, in the U.S. are... are are taking uh, taking the money. Um, somebody somebody's always on, on the receiving end of uh, of the government's uh, decisions, right? So government's picking the winners and losers, and and that's what distorts the economy so much. Um, so eventually, the government uh, runs out of money or runs out of uh, the credibility. To, to be able to print the money so that the money is worthless. And so then you have hyperinflation, you know, stuff like that. So um, eventually, eventually it fails, right? Sure. Um, I mean, you so, kick the can down the road long enough. I mean, you know, the, the, the current example, Venezuela, it's not like they failed overnight. It, right. It's getting worse day by well, day now. But it, but it fails when it does fail. It fails relatively faster than, than people expect. Catastrophically. Right? Yes. Yeah, and and so what I'm afraid of is that people in the U.S. 
don't understand that yes it can happen here uh for as as far as i can see for the uh foreseeable future the us dollar isn't really that isn't isn't totally threatened right now uh because most other countries are doing just as bad or or worse than the us uh but the the us is setting itself up to 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 be a catastrophic failure um every i think i think pretty much every politician right now when they looks at the economy says they they know this is unsustainable but it's sure. it's it's funny the ones running for office that they all believe they can fix it right and well, that's the ego of politics, man. Right. You vote and the I, right person in charge, and they're the ones that have the best ideas and yeah. set you out in a straight path. And I, I don't think it's fixable at all. And I think uh, if you're not trying to take some personal responsibility for your own wealth, your own you know savings, your own uh, uh, nest egg or whatever, that, that you could lose it all. Um or you know ninety percent of it in in a few years, um, and and we saw that in two thousand eight, a lot of people lost half their money in the stock market, and uh, and if and if they were afraid and they sold out at the bottom, then that's that's you know, that's your retirement money. Um, but what if it went down ninety percent? Would you look at the last ten percent and say, well, I better take it out now because I need it? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, we're, we we could be seeing a similar shakeout in the crypto sphere. Right for for the mm. the next the next generation of investors, crypto is a whole different. It is, right but it, it's but it's also <laughs> it's also that volatile, right? No, it, it's it's no, it's super volatile, and it's it's more volatile than the stock market. But that's that's kind of my point: is that the stock market is 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 not volatile on purpose because it's being propped up by funny money. So, um, and eventually that comes to an end. And then you have yeah. the catastrophic collapse. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't have any predictions on, on the U.S. dollar uh, ending anytime soon. Um, but I just like to say it could happen, and it and it could happen faster than you you know once it once it starts, uh, then it could just keep going. And and uh, the, the proof to me is Venezuela. Um, when you have to print more money to get. The services that you want uh because you know because there is no <laughs> there's no more payers left right and see this is the thing like i've i've been uh part of like the movement i guess like i had my my turn towards liberty and anarchy um uh, somewhere around 2006 i want to say 2006 2007 um is when i found it ironically um and the the collapse of the dollar has been predicted in some form or another uh, since then and before that, right? You got, you know, the, the, the Ron Paul predictions from like the 70s. Um, and so what I will say is like, sure, it's coming. There's no way to predict exactly when it'll happen. Um, but statistically, uh, it's well overdue. Uh, and, you know, I, I think one of uh, Molyneux's early videos showed like how long currencies last, you know, and the dollar has like, has had a run substantially longer than average for like, you know, first world empire currencies. And it's just, it's just like, man, the, you know, the funny money, the, 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 the manipulation props it up, but at some point it has to collapse. It has to come down. Um, 
because that's just that's just what history dictates. Doesn't say when, doesn't say how, just says that eventually currencies collapse. And I mentioned earlier uh, the whole like you know those who fail to learn history are doomed to repeat it. You don't even have to look. I mean, Venezuela is the current example, but you don't even have to look further than the United States to see a currency collapse and to see a banking collapse, right? The, 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 was it the continental dollar, uh, collapsed, uh, a long, long time ago. And then, you know, and the, the current dollar replaced it, uh, in some, you know, in, ap- after whatever brief period of time. Um, so American currency is not, <laughs> is not like the be all end all, uh, of world currencies. Uh, and it's not even the be all end all of like national currencies cause it's collapsed before. It collapsed, they changed the name, they reissued, uh, and here we are today with a quite a long run of Federal Reserve notes being the being the dominant currency in country and out. Uh, but yeah, Venezuela, the current example, Germany, the previous example, uh, and the United States continental dollar, uh, the local example of currencies collapsing throughout history amongst the hundreds uh, that didn't even make it that far. Uh, but the, the current U.S. dollar uh, far surpassing uh, the, you know, second place as it were for, for longest reigning, uh, currencies in the realm. MC. All right. Um, let's, I guess move on. What sure. do we got? Headlines. We got them. Finally, we'll get into this. The presidency is too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so much, so much for a healthy segue on that one. Uh, headline cop arrested for where cops plural arrested for wearing disguises destroying elderly man's car after he, the elderly man, filed a complaint against them. A headline, this is ridiculous. Headline, Michigan becomes first state to ban flavored e-cigarettes. Uh, head, oh, this is a good one. Headline, when farmer saw his community needed a new road, he picked up his tools and built one himself. So much, So much for that argument. Uh, and finally, headline, here, more for Trump. Uh, trade wars have no winners. Uh, I'm going to ask because I always do. Any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Um, I don't know. Like Some of these, the, the headlines really do all the justice that needs to be done. So <laughs> you, you pick. <laughs> Let's just, I, I, I teased it long enough then. The presidency is too powerful. I think we had a, we, had, we had, also do this one because, um, uh, here's a comment that once I posted this from, um, from friend of the show, sometime host, haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, he said, no, nah, it hasn't shown that it shows that we need a new Supreme leader so that everyone can go back onto not giving a flying fuck again. Uh, and a misses opportunity. He was at the straight pride parade that happened last <laughs> weekend. As, as funny as that sounds. Oh, yeah. Another quick anecdote about Kokesh, uh, if you haven't already heard. He was asked to speak at the Straight Pride Parade, and then partway through his speech, uh, the organizers cut his mic and removed him from the stage. <laughs> because he, he I, apparently they didn't know who he was entirely, uh, and thought that he was going to be like a good representative for the, for the, for the organization. <laughs> and he basically went up there and called everyone out on every issue. Uh, including the organizers of the parade, and we're like, God, here's Mike, type of thing. So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for him. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, like, controversial, but whatever. Like, you know, sometimes he hits the mark. 
Uh, headline, the presidency is too powerful. We now live in a world where a single individual can dictate the behavior of a country. Is that the world you want to live in? Imagine living in a world where a single individual can issue binding edicts directly controlling the behavior of every firm within a nation, where one man can unilaterally impose his will upon the general public to the point of expressly forbidding trade relations with an entire country. How terrifying does that sound? That may well be the world we live in. Trump's protectionistic trade policy. Last Friday, when's this article? I think this is from this week. So, yeah, yeah, last, uh, not yesterday, but the Friday prior. Uh, China announced it is imposing a new round of retaliatory tariffs that will cover around $75 billion worth of American goods. President Trump responded by saying that the United States has lost, stupidly, trillions of dollars with China, and we'd be better off without them. He went on to say that our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing your companies home and making your products in the USA. You may find this preposterous, but following his tweet storm, Trump correctly pointed out that his executive powers are vast and powerful. He specifically referenced the International Emergency Economic Powers Act of 1977 which allows the president to declare a national emergency and then investigate, regulate, or prohibit any transactions in foreign exchange. This gives the executive branch virtually unlimited power to directly control foreign exchange in times of emergency and leaves the executive to decide what an emergency is. This is like telling a kid that they are only allowed to have a cookie before dinner when they really need to and then letting them decide when they need to. Even if Trump does not have the power to directly order all U.S. firms to cease trade with Chinese corporations, the discretionary power held by the executive branch is strong, so strong that he may be able to achieve a similar outcome through other means. He could impose massive tariffs so large they essentially act as de facto prohibitions. He could threaten non-compliant firms with harsher regulations or enforcement that is more aggressive. He may be able to achieve his goal indirectly, even if he cannot achieve them directly. Executive overreach. Either way, rhetoric like this shifts the Overton window further and further. We begin to accept things that seemed entirely unacceptable not long ago. We become desensitized. The dividing line between the different branches of government becomes increasingly blurred. That is how we got where we are today. Executive overreach is not a new phenomenon, but it does have an, uh, an accumulative effect. Each president is able to get away with a little bit more, typically under the guise of an emergency. Slowly, they amass greater and greater power. Slowly, the concept of strictly limited enumerated powers deteriorates. While each president since the founding has attempted to increase the scope of their power, this behavior took a new form after Woodrow Wilson. Wilson was able to take advantage of an overly ambitious president's best friend, war. As FDR's Attorney General Francis Biddle said, the Constitution has not greatly bothered any wartime president. Wilson began by going after one of the most fundamental constitutional guarantees, freedom of expression. 
After being inaugurated into his second term, Wilson asked Congress to give him the authority to censor the press during times of war, to criminalize the promotion of America's enemies, and to combat literature that was of treasonable or anarchistic nature. Congress listened and passed the Espionage Act of 1917, which gave Wilson almost everything he asked for except the ability to censor the press. However, just a year later, the Espionage, the Espionage Act was amended with the Sedition Act of 1918, which provided for more government surveillance of its citizens and further limited speech that was viewed as detrimental to the government. Wilson finally amassed most of the power he wanted. Encroaching power. Franklin D. Roosevelt continued this leg legacy of expanding executive power during times of distress. In fact, during his first week in office, FDR used the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917, a law granting the president vast economic powers during times of war or national emergency, to order a bank holiday in order to prevent bank runs. <laughs> this was particularly yeah, see, this was particularly aggressive because the act did not give him the power to regulate the domestic economy. Since FDR, executive power has continued to expand and grow, increasing more and more under each successive president. Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Sr., Clinton, Jr., Obama, and Trump have each used and built upon the power seized by their predecessors. The founders were afraid of this exact scenario. James Madison, often referred to as the father of the Constitution, wrote, The power is of an encroaching nature and thought it ought to be effectually restrained from passive the limits assigned to it. To combat this tendency, he created a system of checks and balances where each branch has significant authority over their domain and can limit the power of the other branches. Or in other words, of the great modern philosopher Kanye West, no one, no one man should have all that power. However, Madison did not predict that branches would delegate their power to the extent they have with legislation like the Espionage Act or the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. Because of power delegations like these and the normalization of executive overreach, we now live in a world where a single individual can substantially affect the economic activity of an entire nation and where the whims of one man can dictate the behavior of a country. Is that the world you want to live in? And would you vote for a guy who, who promises that upon taking the office, shuts down the entire federal government? MC. <laughs> uh, yeah, what the hell? I would vote for that. But um, <laughs> this, that, that's really what happened is the delegation of, of power from one branch to another. So like, even if the... Well, if the system was running like it was supposed to, um, then the president wouldn't have all those extra powers because they would. It, it should be Congress doing these things. It should be should Congress, be should be Congress declaring war. Even um, they should be declaring I, war. They should they sh you know they should be the ones uh, writing the laws and you know passing them in effect and then getting you know the presidential signature, not you know de facto. Yeah. I'm declaring this to be such and such whatever. Right. So there's the International Emergency Economics uh, Powers Act. Um, what a mouthful that, that is. That the president somehow has this power to uh, declare an emergency and then, you know, investigate, regulate, or prohibit any transaction in foreign exchange. That's what it says. Uh, 
this is uh it's it's totally insane and i i would say i mean okay legal legally yeah he probably has the power to do that um but what he's basically done is say china is the enemy and we have some emergency so actually the economy is doing you know by the numbers better than it's ever done i mean if you take the debt away obviously if you sure. don't look at that uh, if you don't if you don't look at all the unfunded let's, liabilities, let's ignore and, some of the <laughs> some yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah. But right now, I mean, it's probably one of the best times to be alive in the U.S. Um, it's, it's, as far as uh, the economy, it's it's doing pretty good. Uh, things are still growing, and uh, yeah. Ever since Trump took office, right? So he's really turned Trump this w- thing around. Would would maybe argue that 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 because of him, things are doing so good. So. Is it really an international emergency or not? Uh, so I would I would say that he should be impeached uh, for lying uh, because it's not an emergency, you know. And China is not our enemy; they're a very important trading partner. Yes, uh, very important. So, so and maybe not the most important. Probably the most important is Canada and Mexico, uh, but uh, but China is is very important to the U.S. Um, and uh yeah so yeah i would say impeach trump for for lying uh for trying to create problems where there wasn't any and uh and and make that the de facto uh way of doing things is is um well but yeah he shouldn't have that power and then yeah take away that 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 law because there's, there's no reason to have that law like if there was an emer- a national emergency international emergency um why couldn't Congress do that instead? Do the investigations, it... the regulations, the prohibitions? Yeah. Well, because Congress by nature is slow MC. They have to, you know, go to committee and they have to vote. Whereas, yeah, but, if it, but if it was but an it, emergency, then they would all be there. They'd be like, oh my gosh, the U.S. is going to fail if we don't do this. And then they'd, they'd well, go sit in there. It takes too long to act. It's an emergency. You can't wait for Congress to all get there. Someone needs to act <laughs> now. Something must be done now. And if we're waiting for Congress to pass a law that has to go to committee, that has to get voted, then has to you know uh, do the whatever, then it has to go from the Senate to the House, and then the president can look at all that. We've we've missed the emergency, right? You do, you don't want a committee. Uh, debating on what's going to happen when you're in pain, MC. You just want the ambulance to show up and take care of you. So the, the powers must go to one individual who has the ability and the authority to act immediately because it is an emergency, after all. No? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, I think the article makes it pretty clear that if you leave it to one guy to determine what's an emergency, then you have problems. Well, yeah, because oh. then everything becomes an emergency, right? You, you know, right. every you, you, the only tool is a hammer. So, everything looks like a nail. So, as one form of check and balances, you could say, well, if we find out that it's not an actual emergency, uh, then uh, you get the guillotine. Uh, <laughs> so, France. I mean, there should there should always be a way to you know have some type of check on somebody. You know. Would okay. So I'm going to throw this out there again. I don't want to. I don't want to take the position that this matters uh, at all, or that I'm I'm uh, supporting this. What if it were? What if it were more like how war was supposed to be declared, where Congress would declare an international emergency, an international uh, economic emergency, 
And then once the Congress has declared it to be so, uh, the president could then act accordingly. Would you would you be okay with that? Well, he wouldn't have to act. It wouldn't be him. It'd just be Congress is there, then they, they decide what happens. Well, but someone has to investigate, regulate, prohibit. You know, they have to they have to make that decision. Yeah, Congress could do that. Okay. What What's stupid is is taking that responsibility away from Congress. Well, again, the, that's the whole idea of the article is they they, they uh, there's so many laws where they've delegated their powers away. Yeah. Uh, and then, but they, they keep delegating it to like the one branch, the presidential branch, right? They're, they're not delegating it to like the, the, the judicial branch. It's always <laughs> going to the, it's always going to the executives uh, where one man has the power to make all those decisions. Right. right. Like they're, they're shirking their crazy. responsibility. It is crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. And it's, but, and it's crazy to have someone, uh, who seems to be incompetent, like Trump, uh, being the man in control of all of that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the way it is, and because there's a law, it can never be undone. Apparently. <laughs> well, uh, well, because who would have to sign that law into office? They would have to get a veto-proof majority uh, to repeal that law, and then he would veto it. Because of course, you can't take away powers from the president. Right, and then they would have to they would have to override the veto. So yeah, you know. So that and that's why I say so, he should be impeached for lying. By he's saying it's an international emergency. Uh, maybe he has the right to uh, declare what an emergency is, but at the same time, uh, you can, you know, you can also uh, make the case that 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 he's lying. So sure, and and, and of course. Uh, but even when he lies, he's got statistics and data to back it up. I mean, look look at the recent one that we're not covering in its entirety, but the whole Sharpie Gate. Have you seen Sharpie Gate? No. Oh, you've not seen this? With the Hurricane Dorian. No. Uh, there was a... Oh, my goodness. You are totally missing out. This is like the whole big thing right now. <laughs> so there was a chart uh, that... Where have I been? I, seriously, sleeping... It's not video games anymore, is it? You thought you're done with that. <laughs> but anyway, there was a, there was a, a chart... That showed the uh, the current path, uh, or the projected path, I should say, of Hurricane Dorian um, early last week, right? And there were everyone was saying uh, Alabama was not going to get hit, like it wasn't even the you know some things said like there was like a five percent, ten percent chance that maybe it takes the path to hit Alabama, um, but when Trump went in front of like the world to show off this right. chart. There was a sharpie that just just took off right, right on the tip of the of the projection that only went through Florida, and it just suckled part of Alabama. Just boop. No, no, no. the the sharp The sharpie line says Alabama's going to get hit. Uh, and so yeah, that's been the big story of the week because he's number one. It's illegal to modify the data, uh, and number two, uh, it, that's not you know that's not even how the the projected path would be amended. Right. That's that's not how those if you look at the you know hurricane trends, that's not how it looks. He basically like circled the part of Alabama just so he could be right uh, about saying that Alabama uh, was was in danger and then doubled down. Right. He doubled down throughout the whole week, uh, basically saying that, no, no, no. Here's the early, 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 early charts of Hurricane Dorian where look at all these branches of, of predicted paths and look how many of them cross into Alabama. 
So I, President Donald Trump, who is never wrong, was right about this too. Um, and you need not worry about uh, what people are saying. And to make it to make it even better, um, he got like the NOAA, um, like upper echelon heads or whatever, uh, to basically apologize, right? And say like, well, yes, the early charts did say that. We had amended it by the time Trump said what he said and did what he did. But he, the early charts did predict that maybe Alabama, but it wasn't, it wasn't as high a percentage as Trump was saying, but it was on the chart. So they, they let him off the hook, uh, and allowed him to continue to proclaim that he was right uh, about it. Uh, even though he was definitely wrong, wrong by the time the news came out and alter the map with a Sharpie on top. I can't believe you missed this MC. It was so big. Yeah, actually, I think I saw it, but I just glazed over it. Like, oh, to okay. Me, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't care what, I don't, I don't care what Trump says. So, what? Well, I would, I, I don't think anybody should. You know, it's like, I mean, I don't care either. But I mean, I still, I was curious enough to want to know what the hell was going on. Like, I was waiting. I was like, okay, someone's, someone's going to have the information that either confirms or corrects or tells me what's going on. Like, are we going to get confirmation that Trump did indeed? Uh, you know, use the Sharpie to alter the data, you know, and someone came out and was like, well, he does have a propensity to use Sharpies, but why are you making a big deal out of this, right? Why is this, why is Trump's using a Sharpie somehow in the news? It's, well, because, you know, he's calling everything fake news. Um, and this time he was actually wrong. And rather than admitting it, correcting it and moving forward, um, like a rational, reasonable, healthy adult would do, um, he doubled down, and because he's the most powerful person on the planet, uh, got the people who originally said he was wrong to change their tune um, because the presidency is obviously too powerful. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it's like people arguing over, you know, I don't know, flavors. Sure. Like it's kind of pointless. Oh, yeah. Chocolate I mean, is the best. That may be true, but again, I, I you know I, I read a lot of news headlines uh, for for the multiple shows, um, and that the Sharpie Gate was just popping up left and right. So when it was, when someone said they had an update, I read it because again, you know, I like the I'm here for the lulls as well, um, but it's also you know it 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 can either be for the entertainment uh, or can, it can give you an aneurysm trying to figure it out at the same time. <laughs> Right. So I don't take it. I don't take it too seriously. But there's not a lot of news of the week um, that I, that doesn't cross my desk in some form or fashion because I just pay I pay way too much attention to all of it, uh, even if I don't get into depth on any of it. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No. Final thoughts? No. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com minds.com slash the anarchist experience uh, and if you'd like to contribute to the show financially uh, we still use patreon because hey it works uh, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you all next week peace